welcome to Wednesday, um, and we're going to start a new series tonight. I'm excited about it. I have um, put some thoughts into what we're going to go or where we're going to go. It's, it, I wasn't sure what we were going to do, but um, I really wanted to carry on with some sort of a series-style thing. So basically what I've, what I've done is I've taken a um, like a devotional, like a daily devo, and I'm going to create it to where we're going to do it over a series of Wednesdays, and we're just going to do it like a, uh, like a series. Um, it'll be, um, hopefully it'll be something that gives you some ammo to fight in the days that we have going on today, uh, the challenges that we face every day right now. So uh, hopefully it won't be real heavy. It'll, it'll be solid material, something you can you know, stack in your saddlebag and carry it with you wherever you need it. So with that in mind, I'm going to jump into this. We're going to call this series Battle Ready. Uh, so Battle Ready, and, and tonight's title is We Are at War, Who is the Real Enemy? We are at war, and who is the real enemy? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, who are my enemies? Do you, do you have any enemies? I mean, who are your enemies? Do you, you know, who hates you? Anyone? Most of us, I think, at, at this gesture, would probably answer no. I mean, I probably have some people that don't care for me real well. Matter of fact, I'm sure I do. But... I, you know, to, for someone to, to to say they hate me, eh, I don't know. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I could pinpoint anyone in my in my history that could that could just say, "Oh, I hate that guy." You know, I, I hope I don't have anybody like that in my history. Honestly, I, if I do, I'd I'd like to catch up to him and fix that. But um, but we might even conclude that that these words spoken so long ago have become a little irrelevant in our present and everyday lives. And we might try just to move on to the next set of instructions with life, but but should we? Can we? The answer is absolutely not. I really think we need to resolve with with what's been stated here about our enemies. Do we have any enemies? Do we have people who think uh, think evil of us, or or do we have people who have ought with us? Um, a lot of times for for us, you know, I, I talk a lot about being offended um, one of our enemy's best tools is to get us offended to get to get a, the offense started whether it be in a church or between individuals or whatever because if i can get you offended if i can offend you or say something that offends you it doesn't affect me necessarily it's it but it'll eat you alive i might not even know that i offended you so there may be people in our life or in our history that, we, that we've offended and we don't even know it uh, we, we may have somebody out there growling about us because we're going on with life, and, and, and in the whole time they're thinking that we don't care about them. Well, it could be because we don't know that we've offended them. I mean, believe it or not, that's a simple analogy, but it, it is it is true more often than not. Most of the time, anytime I've had someone, a grievance or something come back to me where somebody's upset with me, I had no idea that I had upset them. I had no idea that I'd said anything that offended them. And, and once we came to terms with it, most of the time, it was a misunderstanding. It was a misrepresentation. It was a misguided word, or somebody told them something that wasn't necessarily true. I know that not many people would do that in today's age, you know, tell something that's not necessarily true, but we deal with it every day. So, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into that. Our King, Jesus Christ, is simply calling on us to love even those who are hardest to love, and we know people like that. I mean, you got anybody in your life that's kind of hard to love? 
maybe um, maybe someone who's mistreated you, maybe someone who's let you down, um, maybe someone who's taken advantage of you, maybe someone at work, uh, maybe it's a family member, uh, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a neighbor, uh, someone you barely know that has done something that has caused grief for you, that, that has made you mad, that has stuck in your crawl, that, that you carry a grudge about, or, you, or maybe, maybe you don't even think you carry a grudge, but there's still a chip on your shoulder. When you see that person, you're like, I don't want nothing to do with them. I don't want to talk to them. I, I, don't, I don't need a relationship with them. Well, that tells me that there's probably something there that, that really should be cleared. And this is what God's talking about. And as a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, verse 27 to 30, and I'm bringing this in the ESV, um, starting with Luke chapter 6, verse 27, it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic, as well give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods do not demand them back ah boy that's a lot i mean that's a lot you're you're god you're asking me i mean okay yeah i love my enemies that's easy to say i mean i can say i love my enemies honestly I don't really have that many enemies, but I, so I, that's easy for me to say. Do good to those who hate me. I, I can still handle that one, but I know there's some people out there that don't like who I am, that don't like who I'm about, don't like what I'm about, don't like some of the things I say or write, um, but I'm okay with that. I, I can still love them. I, I can still believe that the things that I write one day may sink in and, and they'll see a truth. I mean, that's my goal. I don't write something to offend somebody. I don't say anything to offend somebody. I want them to grab a truth out of it that, that helps them in their life, that truly helps them, not, not harms them. Bless those who curse you. You know, one, one thing I struggle with more than anything is that finger. Somebody throws that finger at me, and my goodness, that goes through me like a knife. I, uh, I really struggle with somebody flipping me off or flipping me the bird or however you call it. And that can bring about some problems for my my spirit of peace. Um, I've told some crazy stories about that recently, about a traveling where some little gal flipped me off. And I mean, it actually was quite funny. She flipped me off because I passed her. And then she wound up, we swapped positions on the highway multiple times. And I was getting a little aggravated with her and really trying to get away from her. And I'd get way up ahead. Next thing I know, she had passed me again. And Oh, I'd been doing this for quite a while. I was coming back from a ministry trip in Tennessee and just trying to get home. Well, we made an exit, and I thought, well, I'll lose her here. Nope, she made the exit, too. And the next thing I know, we've passed each other a couple more times. And I thought, well, surely when I take this exit to get on the highway towards Springfield, this will this will end it all. Nope, she's right behind me. I finally thought, well, I'm going to need some gas, and you know, I could probably go to the restroom and maybe maybe get a little bite to eat. So I know there's a station right up here that we've stopped at on this trip multiple times. So I'll just whoop in there, let her get on down the road, get away from me. That you know that way I'll quit being irritated with her and quit badmouthing her, feeling ugly. 
So I'll pull into this gas station, dad gum, she's pulling right behind me. Now, you have got to be kidding me. I, I don't know what to do about this situation. So I went ahead and went to the gas pumps and I start filling up. They, they pull up in front of the station. And she gets out and her and it, was a, it looked like maybe a brother or some young brother. And they go in the store. So I'm thinking, well, you know, as bad as I hate to, there's a subway right there that Chris, my son, makes us stop at every time we're on this trip. And I thought, I don't really like subway, but I really don't want to deal with her. So I'll just go over to the subway, give me a bite to eat, go to the restroom, and give them time to vacate this whole area, and then I'll be on my way. So I, I go over, and I, I go in the restroom, I do my business there, and I come out, and I order my sandwich, and get my stuff paid for, and I sit down to eat, and I am almost done with my sandwich when that car pulls in the parking lot. And I'm like, you, no way. No way is this really happening. This gal's coming in here now. So now it's close quarters, you know. I don't know if she recognizes that that's the truck she flipped off out there. I don't know what she's going to be like. Well, her and her little brother come in there, and they go straight to the register. They don't order their food. You know, the subway works. But they just went straight to the register, and I overhear her saying that she had gotten away from home without her wallet. So all she had in that car were like some sort of gift card type things. So she needed to make sure that that would buy their lunch before they ordered it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, all of this trouble this woman has given me, this grief, this anger, this frustration, and now I'm going to have to buy her lunch because her daggum card ain't going to work. Now, I know I found a lot of humor in that after the fact, but they were able to get their food, and I'm still thinking, well, when they sit down to eat, I'm out of here. I'll get out ahead of her. She ain't going to catch me this time. So I'm, I mean, I'm like almost done with my sandwich and they got theirs to go and went out the door into their car. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I sit there and drank my drink and took my time, finally got out to my truck and took off and I actually never did see him again. But I, you know, I thought how funny would that have been of the Lord to here I am frustrated with this person for, for offending me and, and causing me grief when she probably had no idea she was causing it to me at all. And and this struggle I'm having with her, probably not bothering her in the least bit. Sure didn't look like it. I mean, she didn't give me no evil eye or look at me weird when she got out of her car or saw me in the restaurant. So chances are she had no idea who she's even looking at. But I did. And, and it was bothering me. I was offended. I, I, I was carrying this burden. You see what I'm saying? And then and, and, and then they get off down the road. I don't ever see her again. And but I thought, how funny would that have been had God made me buy her lunch? Because I'd have done it. I mean, if I'd have heard that teller tell him, "No, sorry, that's not going to work here," I was already in my mind prepared to to get up and go over there and pay for their daggum lunch, just so they'd have their food so they could leave. And and I, you know, but I think that how how appropriate would it have been for God to have made me do that? Um, and and, it, and at least the the thought was there. Um, but anyway, well, you see what I'm saying. There's there's times that we're going to face things when people have hot that we have hot with somebody that we don't even know. They don't even know. It didn't bother them. It's eating me up. But that's so so. You know, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Again, that's a difficult task, and I and I've dealt with some abuse victims and and told them that really that is the best way for them to find peace is to begin to pray for that person who's abused them. It is a difficult place for someone. Uh, very difficult place, but I, I assure you, sorry, my nose is itching there. It is one of the fastest ways to release 
what's in you is to begin to pray over someone. To that one who, who strikes you on the cheek, offer them the other also. Uh, again, that's a pretty tough place. You smack me and I'm, I'm going to want to smack you back. Now, I guess the only thing you got to realize is I ain't got but two cheeks. You hit me more than twice and we're going to have problems, I'm sure. But, but anyway, it says to offer the other one as well. Someone who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tur- your your, uh, your your tunic either. Uh, man, somebody steals your coat, you, you're supposed to give them your shirt too. I, I mean, that, again, these are things that God's telling us. These are things that God, don't don't be offended by these things. Don't carry that burden. Is what He's trying to get us to understand. It, it's not a matter of approving a thief or approving of someone who curses you or approving of someone who abuses you. What He's what He's really trying to get us to understand here is. Don't carry this. Don't carry this burden. Give to everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes away your goods. Don't demand them back. I mean, I kind of go with a theory when I loan somebody, and I and I have. I've people been in need, or people I've known have, have, have been struggling, and they've needed financial assistance. And and what do you do? You, <laughs> I mean, you, you, I just have come to a term. I'm not going to loan somebody anything with an expectation of getting it back. Yes, I want it back, and I'm going to ask that they hold up to the agreement of paying me back, but I'm not going to count on that coming back, you know, because I know that God will take care of me no matter what. So, again, that's that's kind of what God's saying, but what he's asking you to do here, and to really understand what he's asking you to do here is is, is don't carry the burden. Don't don't let this offend you. Don't don't let this bog you down. Let go of these things. They're They're... They're petty. Let go of these things. He goes on in Luke 6, 31 through 34 to say this. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So as you want to be treated, treat them the same way. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So again, I think God is just making it a point. You know, pay attention to our to our our thought pattern here of why are we doing what we're doing? Is it out of service unto Him, or or do we have an ulterior motive involved? Matthew chapter six, verse fourteen through fifteen says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now that's some pretty heavy stuff right there. Basically what what God is speaking to us right here is we we have to have a, a spirit of forgiveness. We need to forgive those who have ought against us, forgive those who have wronged us, because if we don't forgive them, it leaves God grounds to, not to forgive us. So, so keep that in mind. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22 says this, Then Peter came to him and said, said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and that I forgive him? As many times, as many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, again, I've actually had people do the math there. I did not do the math there. I'm not a mathematician. But there is an equation that you can come up to of how many times that Jesus said you're supposed to forgive someone. 
You know, Peter was saying, do I forgive him seven times? Like, how many times have I got to let this guy do this to me? Seven times? And Jesus simply said, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times. So you figure that one out. I mean, is that, I mean, do we put a calculation on it? Whoop, wait a minute, you're at 76, you mess with me one more time, and I don't have to forgive you. That's not what Jesus is saying. He, he's literally saying, quit putting a number on it. You know, quit, quit putting an equation on how many times you should forgive someone. How many times should Jesus forgive you? Well, now, wait a minute, that's a whole different ballgame. Well, why is it? He said if we don't forgive others, he's not going to forgive us. So if we put a limit on, on us forgiving someone, should not he put a limit on how many times he forgives us? Man, I hope not. I hope we don't have to be in that place. You see, what Jesus is teaching us is that we must grasp and embrace is that that we don't fight evil with yet more evil. We need to fight evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21 says this, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, I love this. If, if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy, Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, 35, it says it this way. In reference, it references this scripture stating it this way. I will take revenge. I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster will arrive and their destiny will overtake them. That's what that scripture means. We don't need to do anything. God will take revenge. In due time, their destiny will overtake them. If someone continues to do wrong, if someone continues down that path, their destiny will overtake them. I don't need to do anything to them. I don't need to do anything. God will handle it. He can handle it way better than I can, I guarantee you. Verse 20 says this, Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. I love that scripture. And I used to think this. I, and, I, and I know we all have. We've all said, we've all thought this thought. That it, you know, we, we reference it as if you, you know, pray for your enemies. In doing so, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head. Well, that's what it says. And in doing these things, in, in, in treating your enemy like you would like to be treated, feed them, give them drink. Um, you know, take care of them. It's like heaping coals of shame, is how this says on their heads, coals of fire. Now think about this for a minute. In my mind, I used to think about that and think, oh yeah, I'm gonna pray for you, burn them down, Lord, send a hail of fire, smack them on the head, burn them to the ground. But really, what he's actually telling us to do, that when we pray for our enemy, when we pray for those ones that have come against us we pray for those ones who have abused us who have taken advantage of us who have cursed us who have thought evil of us who hate us when we when we pray for their soul I mean, think about this it, it, it's not a matter of god burn them god do to get your revenge in now that's not what he's wanting us to do what he's wanting us to do is they're lost they're as lost as any sinner out there that we pray for their soul that we become passionate about their soul being lost and them dying and going to hell. 
that, that if we begin to pray over their soul with a, with a compassion, with a passion to see them saved, with a passion to see them brought bright before the Lord, that their eternity is set the same as ours, as we pray of them in that way, they're going to become so stinking uncomfortable, it's going to like they're sitting on coals of fire. That, that's what God's asking us to do. That, that's, the, that's the gist of what that scripture says. And 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Let me ask you a question. This is going to be some homework for you. Something you can do as we finish this tonight. Who would be the hardest person for you to pray for? I want you to think about that. If you've got a piece of paper or maybe a note field on your phone or maybe go get a piece of paper and write this down, who would be the hardest person for you to pray for? Write that person's name down. Write them down. Write it, Write that person's name down and, and, and get them in mind. The hardest person you can think of for you to pray for. Now that's your person for this week. Pray for them. Pray over their soul. Don't don't pray that God will take revenge. Don't pray that God will burn their house down. Pray for their soul. Pray pray if they're lost. Pray for God to intervene in their life in such a way that they are found. Pray that somebody of God's presence will find their way into their path and will be able to speak truth and life into them. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's someone you don't even know. But maybe it's someone in their path that'll that'll come across them at a given time that they'll listen to that person's voice and they'll listen to the heart of God calling out to them. Pray for them in such a way. Let God, the Holy Spirit, lead you in how to pray for them. Get them in your mind. Write a piece of paper. Hang it on your fridge door. Do something. Put it on your mirror before you get ready for work. Put it on, put it on your mirror before you get ready to go to bed so that you see that name and spend time this week we're going to meet again on Wednesday. We're going to pick up with session two. So until next week, I want you to pray for that one person, that just that one that you think would be the most hardest person in the world for you to pray for, whoever it might be, and pray for that person. Don't just pray tonight. Pray all week. Write that name down and, and just seek the Lord on their behalf. We may never see the fruit of that. It's not ours to see. You know, I've youth pastored since 1998. Um, we moved to Durango, Colorado in September of 1997, I believe, or I don't remember, 98, somewhere in there. And I have had some challenging times of ministry. I've had my moments where I considered myself a failure. Um, Durango, my first spot in the road, was one of those. Uh, when they hired me, the church went into upheaval, not because they hired me, but just some other things going on. Wound up, a lot of people left. A lot of my youth kids left. It became a very challenging place to minister, but God used it as a launching pad to prepare me for where I was headed in ministry. And and I have I have taken everything I can take during that time. But I felt like a failure. And And the coolest part, of, of all of my time in ministry since then, I, I have watched some of these young people whom I have ministered to rise and fall. 
I've, I've watched I've watched them um, be at the top of their ladder and fall to the pits of hell. But then I've had them come right back. I've gotten letters. I have stuff stored in, in my, my letter files where kids have written me letters. Um, kids that I would have never in a million years dreamed I'd have made an impact on whatsoever. Felt like I failed them. But something that I said made an impact and stuck. And, and as they grew older, just like the word says, that the train them up in the way they should go. That So when they're older, they won't fall away, that, that they won't be lost, that they'll, they'll come back. And that's exactly what I've got to see over these years. I've seen, I've seen young people who have had terrible relationships wound up, um, leaving a marriage, going into a, to a, a gay lifestyle, who have actually returned to a new marriage and, and, and a new walk with the Lord. Uh, I, I've seen young people come up out of the ashes and become ministers. I, I, one, of, one of my youth from Stillwater is a youth pastor here in my hometown of Perkins, her and her husband, youth pastor now. I've had others who have become ministers. You know, I, I've had others who have contacted me saying, hey, you know what? Man, my life's been kind of a twisted mess over these years, but I remembered your words and I, I need to hear you speak to me again. And I've got I've got some of my young people who listen to these messages right here today that I would have never in a million years thought I'd have had an impact on them at all. I didn't I didn't think I did anything for them. I thought I failed them. But God's given me these little nuggets to show me that no matter what we do in life, He'll use it. It's seed being planted. He'll take that seed. It, it's not up to us to see an outcome. It's all His. He asked me how I measured success when I thought I was a failure. The way I measured success wasn't how he saw it. And what he told me was, I measure success by your obedience to my calling. Guys, listen, when you're obedient to the word of the Lord, when you're obedient to the call of God on your life, you're successful. I pray you're successful in your walk with him. I pray that you find a place in the midst of these little teachings that, that, that you hit your knees and say, God, use me to touch someone's life. Use me to, to minister to someone else. Use my life to water the gardens of your, of your path. May God bless you guys tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about Sunday yet. It may be Sunday night when I get back with you. Uh, my Sunday morning may very well be out of state. Um, we're, with this snowmageddon we've had, everything's kind of up in turmoil. But my plan is to be at an event for Peterson Natural Ministries on Saturday. Uh, I'll probably stay the night and come home on Sunday, uh, which will put me doing a message maybe Sunday night to you. Um, I've got a message already burning in me that I want to give you. So I'm, I'm going to be chomping at the bit to get back on here and, and share with you what I've got going on. But until then... God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for all that you do for us, praying over us. Uh, I, I, I thank you for the increase in the support that we're seeing. I'd love to make this a full-time job. I would love for this to be a, a something that I didn't have to do anything but, but travel and speak. It's not at that place yet. I still work and, and do what I can to support this ministry. We don't draw a salary from it at this point. But God's in control of all that. Um, be praying over that with us. That God will take this ministry wherever he chooses it to be. I, I've, I've been called internet pastor by, by 
people. <laughs> I'm their internet pastor, and I think that's a neat thing. I I love that thought. I, I love the th- the fact that somebody tunes in and listens to these messages, and we send 264 messages out via email now. I don't know that all of them get listened to. I send them all out. We put them all on the podcast. We've got the Living Loud Outdoors podcast on nine different podcast platforms. If you're if you're someone who listens to those, they're they're out there. You can search and find them. Um, I put them out on on multiple Twitter and other places as well. So there, you know, our messages are going out. They're being aired um, for whatever God uses that for. That's our goal. So we we have so many irons in the fire, so many things we'd like to do, so many places we would like to be. It's it's just difficult to do without the support and the financial support to make those travel plans. And uh, we just we walk with God. Wherever He wants us to be, He'll put us. Uh, whatever He wants us to say, we'll say. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. We love you. Thank you for loving Rhonda and I. Um, you know, I I know Rhonda doesn't get on here with me. She's uh, a little shy about things like that. But I got to tell you, that woman pours into these messages. Her and I are like iron sharpening iron all the time. Uh, this message I want to bring on Sunday she sparked some fire in me last night as we were prepping these messages and i was talking to her on the phone she's staying with her dad right now and 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 i mean it got fire going between the two of us it was awesome i love that i love i love a ministry partner uh that's that's my wife that that loves on me and supports me and pours in so that we can pour out to you guys so god bless you all have an incredible evening uh man i pray you're not snowed in i pray you don't have any frozen pipes we've We've been fighting frozen pipes and ice and snow and cold and coldest weather that Oklahoma's ever seen in my lifetime um, just in these last couple of days. And and uh, hopefully we're headed towards spring from here. We're, we're ready. So, But God bless you. Be safe. Stay tuned into the Lord. Stay tuned into us. And we will uh, keep walking with you. Amen. God bless you all. Have a beautiful evening. We will talk to you again real soon.